Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie. Low cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Declan, as I said, is in studio with us. Declan, did you watch Leinster last week? They were pretty impressive. I didn't see it, Reg, but yes, by all accounts, they were impressive and there was a fantastic uh, victory over uh, La Rochelle in the, in the Champions Cup last week to get a revenge for the defeat in the final of the previous May. Overall, uh, you was been very happy yourself with the, with the quality of the performance and the fact that they got the result. Yeah, and surprised, I have to be honest, because it's the changing of the guard. There's some new players coming in. Uh, few people, myself probably included, had uh, eyebrows raised a little bit at the selection at 10. Thought maybe Frawley might be getting the nod there to start, but uh, Harry Byrne was, and uh, and uh, Leo Cullen shown once again that, um, surprise, surprise, he knows what he's at. <laughs> Harry Byrne went very, very well, and uh, it was unfortunate to get a, a, an injury. Uh, and then, the best of both worlds, in comes Frawley, and does very well also in that 10 position, and then nails a 60 metre, absolutely incredible uh, penalty at the end just to put it away um, it was an unbelievable performance to be honest with you because you're away from home the conditions were appalling absolutely appalling rain uh, La Rochelle renowned for having these mosh pack who keep the ball you know ordinarily in those situations you get eaten up by a big French pack who keep the ball, stuff it up the jumper, maul it, uh, and, and and powerhouse their way to a victory in the end, um, and kind of look like that's probably what would happen. But Leinster resolve was incredible, defence was amazing, dealt with the injuries that they got, um, and ground out a, a very important win uh, for themselves away from home last week, and sets things up very nicely now for uh, their home game this week, of course. Question the whole of this comp from the Leinster point of view. Sale Sharks, isn't it? This evening? Sale Sharks, uh, yeah. and again, it brings into question the whole of this competition. Sale Sharks coming over here, uh, and you know the teams that some of these English uh, teams are picking Bristol are being accused of it as well picking a second string team to go uh, away and play Sale coming out with some excuses about the fact that you know Leinster is not their priority and but I mean this is the second game of the Champions Cup I mean some of the English teams take, seem to be taking it very seriously a lot of people don't like the change and they're really guilty of it and I think it's a real problem for the competition that they don't try and get a hold on this I mean a lot of people don't like the change in format. I would be one of them. Um, certainly back in the day when we were playing this competition in pool stages where there were six matches, you know, this time of year was absolutely rocking around uh, Heineken Cup, as it was called then, Investec Champions Cup now. But uh, it was back in those days, 
these pool matches were critical and the home and away format of them, everything else that went with it just added another dimension to it. And all of that's changed now. It's gone to this 16, uh, last 16 conversation. But Leinster, yeah, sitting in it and I'm not sure, like, for me, it's not working anyway. I think they need to, to tweak it back. But look, that's that's another conversation. But Leinster, yeah, sitting in a good position and uh, likely to take uh, the spoils today at 5.30. Yep, looking to make it two from two in the competition this season. What about the rest of the Irish provinces last weekend, Reg? How did they get on? Yeah, again, a mixed bag, I'm afraid. It wasn't great. Leinster are the only ones that kind of got the, 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 the victory. Munster will be absolutely kicking themselves is the only way to describe it. Um, they looked in complete control of a game. Uh, you know, turns before the match and I was watching and I was thinking, this is good. On the rack, uh, they were playing some great rugby really impressive stuff now and they had a few injury concerns before the match and I was watching and I was thinking this is good you know they're playing a nice brand of rugby it's expansive uh, we're starting to see what Graham Rowntree is trying to bring to this Munster side um, and I was really impressed and then all of a sudden there was just a period of time where they almost seemed to switch off and the next thing you know back come Bayon and it's a 17-all draw which was a shock result down there for me I, I thought they would have taken care of Bayon very easily Um you know they're not that that strong of a team and like last night I think to to and and get a result it just wouldn't have been on the cards Uh, they're not that that strong of a team and like last night I think proves that at home they lost to Glasgow 12-11 so that kind of says to you where you're at with that so disappointing from a Munster point of view they got okay they got a draw they got points it wasn't an absolute disaster but it just makes going away to Exeter today an even bigger task and I think that is going to be a big task they're still without Peter Romani Um, uh, I think this is the fourth game now that he hasn't played he's got that shoulder injury that's bothering him um, and, and there's those issues solutions with all the experience that he has a squad when you're bringing in young players and youth and somebody on the pitch to make those decisions with all the experience that he has so uh, that's a, a big disappointment and Exeter will fancy their chances uh, and no matter what way you look at it playing Munster is always a different challenge to playing anywhere anybody else so Exeter will be up in their game for that so that's going to be an absolutely cracking match I can't wait for that one that's going to be at 1 o'clock on Sunday Um you know, if you're asking me to pick, well, you have to go with the home side, just purely based on the fact that they're the home side and they're they're going well and uh, get it and an important one foot. You can never ever bet against Munster, and on the road, this would be a, a, a very big victory if they can get it and an important one for them as well after that draw last week because there is pressure on them. That's the point. There is pressure on them now. And how are Connacht and Ulster doing so far this year? Connacht really blew it uh, last week. Didn't perform at all. Uh, you know, we're like I mean, they they were came in for a lot of criticism. Uh, I know Donegal Callahan afterwards was basically calling them out on their failure to turn up, is the way he put it. Um, it was a very very poor performance and very like I say, it's just um, hard to understand. Expect them to be so much more than they were last weekend. Um, just like I say, it's just um, hard to understand what was going on. They were playing Bordeaux, um, and they just never seemed to get into the game at all. There weren't their normal abrasive selves in defence, uh, and they um, ended up getting beaten forty-one points to five. And then on top of that, they're playing a Saracens team who were beaten and didn't play well last week. They're playing them at one o'clock today, away from home. So 
I wouldn't be hopeful for Connacht, is how I'd put it. Okay. Well, let's link Munster and Leinster now for our next piece and the story of the move, potential move of John Klein from Munster to Leinster. This is causing a few shockwaves in the southern province and maybe raising a few eyebrows in the eastern seaboard as well. Yeah, it is indeed. And uh, I suppose uh, people getting a little bit... um, I don't know. Agitated is the word I'll use over this whole thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure why. I mean, they're all talking about, I'm reading a lot of reports here this morning, talking about how Munster fans are entitled to be annoyed over John Klein's move and they're entitled to this. Be annoyed. I don't know that Munster fans are actually as annoyed about this as maybe everyone is making out. They might be annoyed about the fact that they're going to their biggest rivals, Leinster. Fair enough, I get that. But... Uh, John Klein hasn't done anything for Munster. He's been injured the whole time he's been uh, on their squad. Um, he's had two ACL injuries. Uh, he's been very unfortunate with that. But like he hasn't actually done anything for Munster. They were probably hopeful that he was going to come back and add some new dimension to uh, the Munster squad, having won World Cup and being you know the player that he is. But again, he's just had so shoulder surgery again. He's actually in my books he's a, he's a little bit of a, a liability so maybe Munster fans in, in six months time might be turning around and going thank God uh, the move happened um, so I'm not so sure that it's as big a deal as, as maybe like stuff happens in professional rugby I can see how they might be irked that he's going to Leinster and it's you know if he, where it'll really come to for Declan is if Jean Klein goes to Leinster starts play, back playing for them is absolutely immense and is the best player that they've ever seen then I could understand why yeah. Munster fans might be but a little But then, bit surely on the other side of it, you know, if he comes to Leinster and, and his injury problems continue or worsen, people are saying, well, exactly. look, there's an expensive squad member who's not able to contribute where exactly. it matters most on the pitch. And then you'll have Munster fans who will probably, you know, be smir- smiling to themselves going, well, we dodged a bullet there. So mm. we won't know. Look, I mean, it, there's a lot being made about it. I think it's a bit of a storm in a teacup. Uh, I don't believe Munster fans are actually as uh, animated as the media would like to make them out to be. Um, yes, I agree. Going to Leinster, it's a little bit of a, you know, a dig in the ribs, but um, they'll they're, they're move on by tomorrow. Mm. Like the, the talk is going to be about what happened against Exeter. So, yeah. I mean, it's move on. Time. I suppose in football terms, it's akin to going from maybe Liverpool to Manchester United or something you know it's Christmas time and you know you're on the countdown when the World Darts Championships rolls around I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Matt uh, Edgar to discuss it in a little bit more detail good morning Matt how are you? morning oh good thank you yeah, yeah like you say Christmas starts don't it when the darts start and that was the <laughs> five we got yesterday. Absolutely, and what a start it was yesterday. Almost a bit of a, a shocker. Um, Michael Smith managing to get through 3-2 against uh, Kevin Dodds, but I mean, uh, was made to work for it. I think that's probably the best thing for Michael Smith, actually, at the moment. He's not had the best of seasons, and certainly since changing his darts, there's been concerns for Michael Smith, but I think to get up there, have a real scare, have a real battle of a game on his hands that he did, I think it's actually going to set him in really good tone for the rest of the event. Yeah, and I mean, every, anyone that's into darts at all, I even rewatched it again this week, just that epic uh, leg with uh, Michael Van Gerwen last week, of course, or last year, of course, when uh, both of them were on a nine darter and Smith managed to get there uh, just in the end. Um, we'd be hoping for replays of that. Van Gerwen, is he starting to find form again? Uh, another one that kind of went off the, 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 the radar a little bit? Yeah, I thought throughout the year that Van Gerwen's been sort of 
there without really getting the results. He's certainly been one of the best performers of the tour. And I, I still think he's going to be world number one next year. But to be in the running, to be world number one without a world championship to his name is a very rare thing anyway because the world championship is so heavily weighted, which just shows you how much better over the rest of the 12 months Van Gerwen is to the rest of the field. Mm. He just needs to put that explanation point on it and get that world championship or have that world championship run and that would put him as the world number one, which I think everyone would be hard to argue with the fact that he is that. I've heard it said that uh, this is probably the most open uh, World Championships that there's been in quite some time with any one of 10 players I've heard it said that could win it. Would you be in agreement with that? Absolutely. I'd probably go even further than 10 because, you know, we've got what we traditionally say dark horses or outsiders who could go on and win it. And you've only got to look now at the the calendar of darts, but don't look too far back and you'd have saw Phil Taylor would have won everything and occasionally you'd have got one player in between. Then you get like the sort of 2016-17 era where it was all Van Gerwen dominated everything with the odd person. Now you look at the tournament so we're getting a different winner all the time and you look at things like the UK Open with Andrew Gilding win that who wasn't even in the top 32. Mm. When have we had a player outside the top 32 win a major title? Then the Masters was won by Chris Dobie, who was outside the world's top 16. So how deep can we go? Because these events had everybody who's in the World Championship in them. So we can go quite deep in the rankings to see people who could potentially win it. You know, you only got to look at people like Joe Cullen, who narrowly missed out on winning the Premier League. He's got to be a contender. Chris Dobie's a contender. You know, there's contenders literally everywhere through this field. Jim Williams... What a dark horse he could be. Yeah. He's one of the top performers when we look at stats. There's so, so many players that could win it before we even get to our Gary Andersons, Van Gerwen, Luke Humphreys, Gerwin Price, Peter Wright. I can just sit and list off names and none of them would surprise me. Yeah, it's getting exciting even listening to you, listing those names. I'm looking forward to it already. I suppose what people maybe forget a little bit is just how long this championship is as well and that it is a test of stamina as much as anything else to be able to put up with the intensity of those crowds, uh, the spotlight all the time and, and the speed of darts and that concentration, the mind working alongside it. Like it is an endurance test as well as a test of skill. It is and I, I'm, I think a lot of it comes away from the hockey Mm. because you're away from home for a long extended period of time in a hotel room where you're kind of away from everything and when you're away from everything like that you tend to find that you're only there for the darts and you sort of look forward to your game it overemphasizes the importance the prize money is so big in terms of the jumps in prize money, which is the ranking positions as well. So I think a lot of it comes to staying focused away from the hockey, but trying to make sure that the darts doesn't consume your life and that you've got other things going on, uh, that you've got the right people around you, family and friends, to sort of give you that distraction, but not too far away from the main road. Okay, well, Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you give me your top top three tips? I'll go to three for for winning this one. For winning the whole thing? Yeah. Um, I would go with Van Gogh and Humphreys, who are in the bottom half of the draw. I think them two are on course to clash in the semi-finals. 
And I think from the top half of the draw, I'd have to go with Gary Anderson. He's been in absolute brilliant form this year. So I think the final will be Anderson against Humphreys or Van Gerwen. Excellent stuff, Matt. Really appreciate that. We look forward to watching it. Uh, you have a wonderful Christmas and a great New Year, and we'll talk to you again soon. You too. Thank you for having me on. Man. Thank Happy you. Soon. Take care. That's Matt Edgar there, former cha- or current champion, um, dart, professional darts player as well, um, giving us all of his thoughts. So there you go. It's uh, Van Gerwen, Gary Anderson, and, or, and Humphreys would be his top three. GA now. I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Declan Drake and on the phone by Sean Lane. Uh, Declan, what a year it's been. Uh, no question about it. Entertainment right across the board. And... Uh, probably going to get better now with all the injection of money that's coming in <laughs> uh, so there's no doubt about it GA's in a good place but it's been a great year yeah it certainly was a great year Edge and GA front from the capital perspective no doubt you know two senior All-Ireland titles secured and a nice welcome donation from the JP McManus fund to the county board at the end of the year as well so thank you indeed to JP for that as well as the other 31 county boards that benefited uh, as well to the tune of 1 million euro this year, of course, the county said farewell to its long-standing chief executive, John Costello, who retired at the end of October. And we announced a new flagship sponsor for our four inter-county teams, Stay City, to replace AIG. Dublin footballers began life in Division 2 of the Alliance National Football League with trips to Cork, Limerick and Mead as well as Derry on the agenda. The group stage saw just one reversal, that to the foil siders uh, in Derry but was later avenged in the league final at Croke Park. But the, one of the major stories of the year, without any major shadow of a doubt, was the unexpected return of Stephen Cluxton to the fold uh, pre the loud game in Croke Park. Still, the image of him just running out in the tunnel nonchalantly before that game was won that really stands out in the memory bank for 2023. Another Leinster title, of course, was secured before the big one was captured for the first time since 2020 with a victory over Kerry in the All-Ireland final at Croke Park. A real history-making day, too, for three Blues players. Stephen Cluxton, of Parnells, Mick Fitzsimons of Kula and skipper James McCarthy from Ballymun Kickhams all earning their ninth All-Ireland medal on the day and surpassing the record of eight set by, amongst others, the likes of the great Pat Spillane. Then at the end of the year, Desi Farrell was reappointed manager for a further two years, having landed his second title in four years. Indeed, the anniversary of his first appointment passed there during the course of the week. On the club front, well, Kimmical Croaks made it three in a row in Dublin and indeed in the province of Leinster as well after final victories over Ballyboden St. Endes in the county and Nace in the provincial final. Ballyboden St. Endes from the Fair House Road claimed the titles at A-level in minor and under 21. Just going back to the Croaks game, uh, Croaks team in general, their All-Ireland semi-final is in Park Eskler in Newry on January the 6th against the Glen of Derry, a repeat of last year's All-Ireland final. And we know what happened in that. So there'll be a big crowd up there in Newry, I'm sure, that particular afternoon. That's uh, January the 6th. But a great year for Dublin football. Congratulations to our senior men, who, by the way, received their All-Ireland medals tonight at a function in Croke Park. We're going to turn now on... GA with Declan Drake this morning to Hurling and our good friend, regular analyst Sean Lane is on the inside line once again for us this morning. Very good morning to you, Sean. Morning to you, Declan. Happy Christmas uh, to you. And the same to your good self. I hope we didn't take you away from the shopping. No, no, I have a, big, I have a bigger job on today at 10 in the club. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, well, Hurling, uh, Sean, the, it was the first year for Michal Donoghue since replacing Matty Kenny as boss at the end of Championship uh, 2022. Uh, did okay in Division 1B of the National League. Uh, how were we fixed, did you feel, going into Championship 23 after that campaign? Yeah, I suppose it was great. 
great to get the, uh, the the Welsh Cup and the league out of the way and good performance away to Waterford and you know probably Michal would have been happy going into it. The big you know objective was to come out of Leinster and and he achieved that. Uh, people certainly missed what I thought was a great game, the Dublin Wexford game in Crow Park, which was very poorly attended. So he got a great win that day. A day that Donald Burke was outstanding. And uh, unfortunately, though, Declan, um, you know, the whole season, particularly from a championship perspective, will be judged on the performance against Clare. From a positive, um, we scored 216. Maybe had Donald not got injured, we might have got to 218 or 19. But he certainly has to look at Declan conceding 526. He won't be happy with that. And, and some of the goals that were conceded, you know, they were very naive. I mean, they were just people get, coming on breaking ball and running through the middle and getting, you know, simple goals, what I would have thought. So he's a lot to work on. Uh, he'll need a new few new players. He'll need, you know, hopefully some of the new players last year will have gained some experience. But uh, all in all, it was his first year. And, uh, you know, there'll probably be a little bit more focus on it now, Declan, going forward. Came out of Leinster, as you say, uh, took on Carlo, the McDonough Cup winners, in a preliminary quarter final at Netwatch Cullen Park, which they came through to set up the ill fated game, as we know, against Clare at the Gaelic grounds the following week. Now, you mentioned the, the loss of, of, of Donald Burke there. That certainly did, didn't help uh, things that particular uh, afternoon, uh, Sean. And of course, he missed out on uh, a tremendous success for his club, Nafina, which we'll come to a little bit later as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Huge loss. And funny, last week in the interview about the Nafina game, I, I, I did say I just thought that Donald not being around for the Nafina game against the Lachlan Gales, that it would tell. And perhaps it did the last 15 or 20 minutes. But uh, look, I believe he's making a good recovery and uh, tugged out the last day. So let's hope we see Donald in a Dublin jersey next year, starting at the very, you know, the new year. Yes, which will start against Westmead in the Walsh Cup uh, the first Thursday after Christmas. Uh, I think um, I can't the date offhand, but it's a 7.30 throw in a Parnell Park that particular evening. So the fun and games have started already. The boys, I'm sure, well back uh, pre-season. Looking at the club scene, of course, the major story of the year from the capital perspective, Sean, was the great breakthrough made eventually by your good friends on the Moby Road there of Nafina, winning the Senior A Championship. Uh, it, it was great, and, and I don't think people, even in Bowden, when it's all over, would, would begrudge them. I mean, they went so close two years, particularly the, the first year they were beaten by Crokes, and indeed, I felt they got a chance the second year to win it as well. But they won a great championship. I mean, the last round-robin game was, you know, they beat a, a good Bowden team, and then they beat Crokes, who'd won two in a row in the quarter-final. Semi-final, they played Luke and Charlie Carter's Luke and who were unbeaten in the process. And then on the day against Bowden, they were just outstanding. So it was a fantastic achievement for them. Long time coming. People in Athena really, really working hard with Hurland. Uh, you know, the senior was one on the, the background of, of, of you know winning minors and under 21s under Declan Feeney and other people like that. So you know, it was one of their own. I, I think they had two outside players. They had young Ryan. Uh, who's a Limerick lad that was on the Limerick panel that won the All-Ireland and then obviously Liam Rush came in for St. Pat's. Other than that, everyone on the panel decked were homegrown. So it's a great championship for them to win. And indeed, they, they, they flew the flag very well in Leinster, only coming up short against the Lachlan Gales, but did the business against Ratarney and also against Nice to get to the Leinster final. 
Yeah, of course, you know, winning your first county championship, it can be very difficult then going out in the first round of Leinster, you know, the, the attitude and the mentality of it and all that. But the, as you say, they approached it very well, came, overcame Raharney and indeed Nace in the semi-final as well. So congratulations to them on their county success this year. And um, a good spread of two, Sean, brief, finally on the, the hurling side of things, before we switch to Camogie, on the uh, the other major county championships at minor A and under 21 uh, level as well. I'm glad to say that both of these titles result south of the river well that's true and I was actually at both games Declan the firstly the minor one um, a Carl Kennedy point played centre back with Luke and he was the captain an outstanding finish to that game maybe not if you were from Kilmacud I felt Kilmacud were about the better team for 40-45 minutes Luke and dug in and there's probably a small bit of poetic justice in it because last year the minor champion was under 17 so the, the two same teams met and Croke stole it from them in the end so Lucan stole this one on the day probably just deservedly so because when they fell you know probably seven points down they just dug in and kept getting scores to keep in touch and finished with a great goal and then as I said the last point mm-hmm. of the game in the 21 Declan um, you know I'd say it was nearly the reverse I thought Lucan were the better team for 40 minutes uh, Close got two scores to um you know, bring it to extra time. It finished 27 points each. I think you and me share the same view that we, we don't like seeing competitions be won or lost on penalties. But the great thing about that, you had Keno Kasik, Derry Porcel, Brendan Scanlon, all showed really well for, for, for Crokes and Sean Harness um, certainly did really well for Lucan. And back to the minor match, you had Brendan Kenny, Conal O'Reen, who I think is an exceptional player, and on the Lucan side, you had Carl Kenny and, and Daryl Lyons up front. So, there are two clubs really working hard along with Nafina and uh, you know uh, from a long term perspective you know I was delighted to see both games because uh, there's a lot of really good players coming Yeah and I think you know the rivalry between the two clubs will build up nicely in the years to come at senior level as well when the lads from the minor and the under 21 teams graduate into the, the, the senior panels we must talk as well Sean about Camogie which is a shared love for us both as well at club and county level um, overall your assessment of, of 2023 I think it's fair to say it was a, a turbulent year but it did have some highlights it did Declan and look overall you, you would be disappointed and we, we'll cover it now um, firstly the Leinster Championship was a great competition and as you know Declan the Leinster Championship in Camogie and the All-Ireland Series are, are just totally different competitions but we had a very good win over Wexford to get to the final we gave Kilkenny a smashing game uh, and we're only a point or two down with, 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 with you know five or six minutes to go so that was you know you'd say to yourself well that's a really good start got into the uh, open draw and unfortunately found ourselves in a bad draw we had Tipperary, we had Kilkenny, and we had Wexford. Now, we beat Wexford to keep us out of a relegation playoff, but Tip and Kilkenny were just too strong for us, and, and uh, unfortunately, we, we bowed out at that stage. Yes, indeed, and uh, heartbreak too for a Dublin team, club team in the Leinster final. St Vincent's are senior A champions again, lost the Leinster final to Dixborough, who I understand are in the All-Ireland final as well, so... That's, that's an interesting one to look forward to for them. But uh, Vincent's County Champions once again fully merited. Yeah, absolutely. And and we were talking about that before the match that, you know, Jude's and Vincent's have been the two best teams in Dublin. And, and you'd have to say, Declan, that Jude's shaded it over the last three or four years. But, um, you know, there was only one boss today at the Dublin final and, and, and Vincent's won that. But they did account for themselves really well in Leinster. And 
just came up short against Dixborough and as you rightly say that Dixborough plays Sarsfields of Galway now who have won the last two All-Ireland uh, champions but Vincent's senior Camogie team they can be very happy from this perspective you know they're knocking on that door um, it's only a matter of time if they keep all the girls together and they're very good at that at Vincent's that they'll end up in a, a you know winning a Leinster and, and, and performing in an All-Ireland club final which would be outstanding for Dublin Camogie Yes, well, no doubt the Senior A Kamoki Championship next year, like the rest of the championships in the Colts, is going to be very keenly contested. A lot of people are willing to, to shoot Vincent's down. They'll be more than determined to stay there themselves. Sean, Gornamila uh, Mahagut, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, this morning. I know you've got a big engagement a little bit later. We're going to let you go and get ready for that. Uh, thank you very much indeed, not only for this morning, but also your wonderful contributions throughout the course of the year. And we look forward to meeting you over the Christmas period. Thank you very much, Declan, and happy Christmas to Jane and Reggie, who have been outstanding towards Gaelic Games in Dublin, as well as yourself, Declan. Thank you. Okay, it's time to turn our attention to football now. Delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley. Good morning, Al. How are you? Can you hear me there, Al? Yeah, Reggie. Uh, sorry, yeah, I have you now. Um, yeah, how's things? All good? Yeah, all good, Reggie. Yeah, looking forward to the festive season, like <laughs> yourself, I'm sure. Absolutely, can't wait for it now. Loads of sport going on over that time as well, and we'll have time to sit down and digest it all properly. Um, I see a report coming out this morning that uh, Thomas Tuchel has... Uh, dismissed the reports that were coming out during the week about Anthony Barry. There was a lot of pretty strong reports about um, the possibility that he would become the next uh, Republic of Ireland manager, but uh, Tuchel says no. Yeah, and it surprised me those reports, I have to be honest, Reggie, because I never really had him down as a main contender. Obviously, Anthony Barry is highly regarded as a coach and um, assistant manager, whatever phrase you want to put on it nowadays, and you see the career that he's had so far with Chelsea and He's, he's spent some time with the Belgium national team as well and then obviously Tuchel takes him to Bayern Munich so he's very highly regarded we got to know him obviously as part of Stephen Kenny's backroom team and again uh, lots of compliments were, were heading his way about the structure of the team and, and how organised he was and, and good coach behind the scenes but it's a different ball game going from a coach to the first team manager and I was surprised especially when you're looking at his club career is all is, is the only place really where he's been coaching so he's never managed and I would have thought maybe the next progression for him will be to go from a coach to be a club manager I never once envisaged that it would go from maybe being a coach at a club and then take over an international team I think that's just too big of a step yeah. I would have been very surprised had he got the job that's not to say he still won't get it but I was very surprised you mentioned there that there was strong reports during the week I was surpri- surprised by those because I never really had him down as a main contender yeah, and I mean, even when we were talking about it last week in relation to Brian Kerr and that, I mean, for a lot of people, uh, it's about the name and sort of a being some sort of a showcase name, even in in, in many ways, you know. And and, and certainly, he wouldn't have that level of experience. So, like you, I kind of it came out of left field completely. Hadn't even heard the name mentioned mm. before, you know. So it was a strange one. But uh, yeah, I think it's kind of getting to the point now where they're just desperate to. F- find out who's going to get it and, and looking to report on anything, isn't it? Yeah, and, and and I think to be fair to the FAI, what they've said all along is like there's not games really up until the competitive games don't start in September. There's friendlies kicking off in March. They still have a bit of time. They don't have to rush into anything. Mm. Now, I think Jonathan Hill said he wants the manager in place before those friendlies, which obviously, of course, they would want and give the new manager time with the players and building up towards those competitive games in September. So you'll want to see an appointment before then. 
but it's still December. So even if it's into January or February, it wouldn't really bother me once to get the right man, Reggie. Yeah. And I think that's the key thing now is that they do get the right person. Again, if you're going to ask me who that person is, I really don't know because the names that have been bandied about, there's, there's obviously Carsley, I think, is the main one, but I've seen him, him linked with Stoke City during the week. I'd be surprised if the got Lee Carsley, I have to say. Yeah. Um, after that, I don't really know. I think Lee Lennon is, is putting his name very much forward. He wants the job and has yeah. made no bones about telling people he wants the job. But we'll just have to wait and see. We will, we will. Uh, I see the League of Ireland's uh, fixtures for next season came out there, February. Um, anything stand out? And I suppose there's going to be a bit of a uh, horse trading going on now for the next little while. Anything that you're hearing through the grapevine? Any big signings or anything like that? Not, well, Conor Keeley signed with Pats yesterday, so that was a big sign of uh, going from draw. He had a really good season with them, and, and they've strengthened with Aaron Bulger during the week. So Pats have really strengthened in the off-season. Uh, Shells have brought two or three in as well. A lot of the players, to be fair, Reggie, and it's a, it's a good thing now with the clubs, that they're already nailed down to contracts. This used to be a time when you'd see like 75% of players out of contract and having fine clubs, and it was a terrible time uh, for players. But now a lot of them are nailed down, so you don't see as much kind of movement as what we used to see which as I say is a good thing one thing on the League of Ireland as well Reggie there's a former player Gary Howlett who Declan will know um, sadly his wife passed away there and they're having a game in Haddon Park I was asked to mention it today just they're trying to raise awareness and, and funds for breast cancer and it's a Shelburne Legends team uh, there's two matches a women's team and a men's team and they're both happening at Haddon Park today at 2 o'clock so I just thought I'd give that a mention Reggie Absolutely, absolutely um, OK, let's have a look across the water then, Premier League um, was on last night Spurs getting a good 2-0 victory uh, getting themselves back in that top 4 um, hunt uh, just so hard to know where Spurs are at, isn't it? Yeah, good win for them last night, Reggie um, I think they've been great, I really do I think they've been absolutely brilliant, the manager breath of fresh air since he's come in the football to play um, I know they had that blip but to be fair the blip coincided with the bad injuries and a couple of suspensions and they lost Madison and Van de Veen and because the manager is only in the door um, he hasn't been able to build up the squad yet so he has a very good 11 or 12 but obviously when you lose key players like Madison and Van de Veen and you don't have the squad to back it up of course it's going to hit you and I think that was the problem in those three or four games where they got caught out they still have those injuries but he's been able to bring in one or two uh, from I suppose the, on the fringes of the team really who have done well and they got back on track last weekend against um, Newcastle with a brilliant victory and then they won last night as well 2-0 um, so I think they're they're on course for where they should be challenging for that top four because of the start everybody was getting carried away with maybe could we see maybe a surprise Premier League uh, victory I never thought that for a second now had they held on to the players and kept the eleven. I I think they might have made a better fist of it than what we're seeing just at the moment with that blip. I don't think that blip would have happened. But because of that, I still think top four would be a great achievement for them and let the manager build a squad uh, in the off-season in terms of January and then the off-season in the summer. And I think I don't think they're far away from Talge and I think they're only maybe two or three players away. Um, and, and I think he's done a great job, Reggie. Excellent. Okay. Um, biggest one of the biggest games of the year uh, coming up on Sunday, of course. Um, Sunday afternoon uh, football, Liverpool at home to Manchester United. <coughs> Excuse me. One that uh, people have always looked forward to, but it's just with United and the state that they're in at the moment. It's hard to know which way this is going. And Liverpool going very well, sitting top of that Premier League, will be absolutely determined to make sure the home advantage and a victory here is uh, all they care about. 
Yeah, it just goes to show the fall from grace, I suppose. It doesn't register as used to this used to be to me. And I, I use the word used to be yeah. one of the biggest fixtures. I just don't think it is anymore. No. Um, and I know there's so many supporters of Liverpool and Ireland in the country and they'll still view this game as a, as, as a big game. And it is a big game, but it's just not the big game that it used to be. Um, Man United have been just left in the wake of all the other top teams and the trouble that's gone on, on and off the pitch. And the evidence that we're seeing, you just can't see anything but a Liverpool victory. You said they're back on track, going well, top of the league. Klopp's done a great job again in the off-season, bringing in two or three new players to freshen up that midfield area. Still at Salah, Luis Diaz. So the qualities they have compared to what Man United have is just night and day. The managers even are night and day. Klopp and Ten Hag, he's having major problems at the moment. Um, Question marks about his future. On one hand, I want to defend him because I think there's a bad group of players there, certainly two or three bad individuals. But it's up to him to sort those individuals out. And when it comes to the stuff on the pitch, he's in charge of that, Reggie. And I'm just seeing, I'm, I'm just not seeing anything that gives me a good sense of where the club can go and the shape of the team, the tactical stuff. Like, it's it's, it's really, really poor at the moment. Um, and I can't see anything but a Liverpool victory. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend.